want to read them to you out of the New Living Translation. Because one of the one of the issues that we need to deal with is the fact that sometimes we tend to get off on the deep end, get off on tangents that are really not scriptural. And one of the things that I believe that we have to guard carefully is the balance of scripture. I believe with all of my heart that God wants us to be blessed beyond measure. He wants us to be over and not under. He wants us to be on the top and not on the bottom. But there are certain principles that we have to adhere to if we're going to be blessed the way God wants us to be blessed. There's something about physical goals and ambitions. There's something about them that times that if we're not careful, we lose sight of what's right or wrong in order to gain that goal. Only to discover that once you get there, it isn't nearly as good as you thought it would be. I can remember looking forward to Christmas time when I was a boy growing up. And one time I was a small boy. You may have a hard time imagining that at this point, but there was a time. But one of the things that I always remember was how much I looked forward to Christmas time. We never had very much. Um, monetarily so I knew there wouldn't be a whole lot of stuff but it didn't take a lot to make me happy that's the big difference I can remember one time wanting a cowboy suit you know the big thing was Matt Dillon and all those good guys when the good people won remember that when the good people came out on top. I can remember wanting a, a cowboy suit. And man, I had my heart set on that thing. And when Christmas time came, I, I got a gun and holster. It was plastic and it was used. Well, you know, it still excited me. And my sister, who's... Um, husband worked at the paper mill. Them paper mill guys, you got to watch them now. They can buy that good stuff. My, <laughs> my apologies to you paper mill people if you don't think that fits. <laughs> my sister whose uh, husband worked at the paper mill, her two boys were uh, about four years younger than I. And they came over to the house that day and they had on a full cowboy suit. I mean, they had the hat with the cord up under your neck, you know, and you draw it with that little old, you know, and, and, and had the full suit with the, with the frills going down the legs and two guns, two guns on each side. And here I am sporting my little one gun, <clears throat> made out of plastic <laughs> that was used. <laughs> but I discovered some great things. 
that sometimes the goals we set for ourselves are just fleeting images and they're there just briefly and you discover that once you get to them they're not nearly as good as you thought they were when you were reaching for them. This is one of the things that disturbs me about much of the preaching that is going on in the kingdom of God now. And I know that I'm at the age in life I should be able to um, speak from some experience and I want to do that today. I recently heard of um, a famous television minister who was uh, wanting people to help him raise, I forget the exact number, some 35 or 40 million dollars for him to buy his fourth airplane. Well, I don't have any problem. I, I think the man of God should be compensated on as high a level as any other CEO of a company would be compensated. I think that's scriptural. The Bible says, Muzzle not the ox that treadeth out the corn. So I think that is a scriptural thing. However, that's something we have to be careful with because there are some things that we need to guard ourselves against. And I want to talk about that today. I want to turn to Luke chapter 14. I want to start reading in verse 7. When Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed and you'll have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, Friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all other guests. I wanted you to see that because I think there is a proper attitude and a proper spirit that should always accompany blessings. Blessings in and of themselves is something that we are very, very thankful for. But we must be careful that blessings do not become the barometer by which we feel like we have the favor of God. The favor of God is not always manifested by how many dollars is in your pocket. I can remember back in the days of prohibition, and uh, well, I can't remember those days, but I've read about those days. I know that's surprising to you also. But I've read about those days when people became very, very wealthy by dealing with uh, illegal alcohol and liquor. And for us to say, because they were able to live in the largest house in the neighborhood, or they could drive the most expensive car of anybody else, for us to say that that came because they had the favor of God on their life, 
when they are dealing with illegal things to start with, I think we are stretching God's grace and God's blessings to say that. And I said all that to say this. Anybody that had a chance to hear any of Brother, uh, Brother um, um, David, what's his last name? Kennedy. No, Kennedy is dead. James Kennedy is dead. Jeremiah, I'm sorry. I had one of those sometimes. <laughs> Dr. David Jeremiah is probably one of the most scripturally solid, stable preachers that you will get a chance to listen to. He's not full of a lot of frill and a lot of uh, emotion. He's very, very, um, very solid in what he's doing, but he preaches a solid gospel. Folks, if anything is going to save the world we live in today, it's not more gimmicks, and it's not more games, and it's not more fun. If anything is going to save the world today, it is the solid preaching of the cross of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of God's Son. Hallelujah. I still believe that that is the answer to the problems of today. Matter of fact, Paul describes the method of the Antichrist. He said that he will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. So I want to talk about today how to prosper the right way. I believe there is a right way that we can have prosperity and enjoy it. I don't apologize for driving a new pickup truck. I don't have it with me today. But I've been saving for that thing for years and years and years and years. Saying one day I'm going to buy me a new truck. My wife finally came to me and said, well, what in the world are you waiting for? So, but you know one thing I discovered... When you get it, it's not nearly as good as you thought it was. Which proves another thing to us. Those things that I love and hold dear to my heart, the song says, are, not, are just borrowed. They're not mine at all. Jesus only lets me use them to brighten my life. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. And I want to be reminded every day that the blessings of God are definitely His idea. And if I can line myself up with His Word, then I can be blessed in the way that I'm supposed to be blessed without having to get outside of God's grace and God's love. Number one, I want to put on the board, stay under the mighty hand of God. There probably is not anything else any more important. The hand of God always refers to God as being a powerful God and yet a very tender God. It speaks of His care and His attention and His protection over our lives. 
The scriptures declare in Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In Isaiah 41, 10, he says, I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Glory to God. In Isaiah 49, 15 and 16, he says, I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hand. Glory, glory to God. Hallelujah. In the times of your greatest distress, when you think no one else on the face of this earth cares about you or is even interested in what's going on, you remember your name is written in the palm of his hand and he has not forgotten you. Glory to God. If he moves his hand, your name pops up. Every time he moves his hand, your name pops up again. God has not forgotten you. He's right there where you are. And I want to stay in the under the mighty hand of God. It is a mighty hand. Sometimes my, my hand is awful weak, but his is a mighty hand. Hallelujah. And I want to stay on the, under there. Daniel prayed to God, you brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand. Jesus teaches, my father hath given them to me. He is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. Glory to God. I want to stay under the hand of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In one sense, you know, Christianity is a paradox. What I mean by that, we say that we go over by going under. We go up by going down. So those sound like paradoxical statements, but they're really true. Because to be elevated by God, to be promoted by God on the higher level, we must become less so He will become more in us. Glory to God. But always remember, God is interested in lifting you up. It is not His will for you to stay beat down. It is not His will for you to live under the cloud of rejection and doubt and fear and some of those so-called best friends of yours who don't care about the same things you care about. They will lead you down a path of destruction and you will find yourself wallowing in your own self-pity. I say to you today, pick yourself up by the hand of God and get out there and do what the Lord has called you to do. Well, glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Humility is not denying the power that you have, but it's realizing that the power comes through you and not from you. Hear me now. The power that you operate in, you don't operate in because you're powerful. You operate in power because you are a conduit for the Holy Spirit to operate through you. So when I pray the prayer of faith, 
It's not because my faith is big. It's because the faithful one lives inside of me and therefore it flows through me and therefore I want to stay under the mighty hand of God. We need to realize our part in this, but always realize his part in this as well. Remember, it's never about you. Can you hear me again? It is never about you. It is never about you looking holy. It is never about you looking kind. It is all about giving the glory to God and saying, Lord, you're the glory and you're the praise and you're the honor and I give it to you in the name of Jesus, my blessed Lord. Hallelujah. Number two, we want to stay under grace. Stay under grace. Grace. Staying under grace means God's overwhelming love and kindness that is manifested toward us in the person and work of Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit. It is saying that even though I deserve death, God has given me life. Even though I deserve destruction, God has blessed me and built me up. Even though I deserve to go down, God is lifting me up. That's the unmerited favor of God. And I want to live under grace. Grace. Marvelous grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse with sin. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sin. Oh, glory to God for his marvelous grace today. Hallelujah. Your sin can never be bigger than God's grace. Your failures can never be stronger than God's grace. Your downfall can never be stronger than God's upbringing. Hallelujah. God is always greater than anything in our life. Paul asked the question in one of his writings. He said, shall we continue in sin then that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. He said, God didn't give us this liberty in order for us to abuse it. He didn't give us this liberty in order for us to see just how far away from God we could wander and still have His blessings. God gave us this liberty so we would not have to be beat down and bowed down by the burden of sin and the problems that come into our life. That liberty has set me free in the name of Jesus Christ my blessed Lord. Hallelujah. We have to understand the place of the body. In Romans chapter 6, Paul says, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Romans chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. He is saying, I want you to understand that sin 
should never have dominion over you as a Christian. The law that we were subject to or that the people who lived in Old Testament days, the law that people were subject to could never save you. The only thing the law could do would condemn you and let you know what was sinful and what God would not accept. The law itself never offered redemption, never offered salvation. That's why man had to go to the priest and the priest then would offer the sacrifice for him because the only thing the law did was to tell you, you are a sinner, you are on the way to hell and there's no hope for you. However, if you come to the priest, the priest then will offer a sacrifice for you. Now that sacrifice was to be killed. Blood was to be shed. The, the uh, offering was to be spread out on the altar, which pointed us to Calvary, which pointed us to Jesus Christ, whose blood was shed, and he was spread out as a living sacrifice on the altar of redemption and repentance. Glory to God. The law could never save you. The law could only condemn you. That's why these people that say, well, preacher, I believe in the old law. I live by the old law. Hello. There was no salvation under the old law. The only thing the old law could do would be to point you to the new covenant that we have in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. Hallelujah. It has never been that we should be a slave to sin. And before you're saved, that's what this body is. It makes you a slave to your body. Whatever the body wants, the body gets. Sometimes I'm sitting up there at night and maybe my wife has already gone to bed and I get on my mind about wanting one of them thick peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and I like them thick now. I mean thick. I like them about a good quarter of an inch thick, both of them. I hate to try to eat a sandwich and you cannot taste and tell what's in the middle of it. I, if, if, if it's a meat sandwich, I want the meat a good half inch thick. I don't want to be wondering what's in the middle of it and I can't enjoy the sandwich because I don't even know what I'm eating. No, no, no. I, I want it to be thick enough that I know what it is. And I'll sit there and get to thinking about that thing. I said, you know what? I got everything for that in the cabinet. I've got a fresh loaf of bread. My wife's got, we got one of them big old things of Jif creamy <laughs> peanut butter. And that Welch's grape jam, jam, not jelly, jam. The one that spreads so easy. And I got every bit of that in there. And that thing gets in my mind and I want it so bad, but sometimes, sometimes, sometimes I deny myself that just to prove to myself, you are not going to control me. You do not have authority over me. I do not bow to what the flesh wants, but I am under the authority of Jesus Christ 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. He says, for the grace of God, hallelujah, that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. I love that, teaching us. Are you willing to learn? Are you willing for the Lord to teach you, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly? Oh God, is that a total opposite of the way most people are living in this world? That we're to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. We don't make excuses that because the world is so wicked, I don't have to live for the Lord as strong as I used to before everything got so bad. The Bible does not give us a way out of that. The Bible declares that we are to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age that we're living in today. Glory to God. And if you do that, if you do that, we're looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's my experience that most Christians today are not looking for that glorious appearance of Jesus Christ. We're looking for what's the next little toy that we can buy. What's the next thing that we can do that will bring me more joy and more pleasure and more satisfaction when my life should be devoted to giving the glory to God. Whatever comes in my life, Lord, let it give glory to you. If it doesn't give glory to you, withhold it from me. I don't need it and I don't want it. I'm telling you, that's the kind of God that I serve you. He said that he gave himself for us in verse 14, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. He said he redeemed us so we wouldn't be like other people. So we wouldn't be living our lives subjected to the body. The body is not supposed to be something we despise. We're not supposed to look at our body as the enemy of God. The body actually becomes that part that will bring glory to God. Whereas we think that, well, I just can't give in to the body. Well, sometimes we have to. I mean, my wife's got a bunch of good food fixed at my house. And I guarantee you, I'm going to probably give in to my body when we get home. But you see, that's all part of the process. Because there is a certain realm of necessity that comes in there. But we have to learn to divide between necessity and where to stop. Because if we allow our bodies to control us, then we are under the slave, the body then, we are the slave to our body. But folks, that's not the way it is. 
for my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm not supposed to despise this body. It may not look the best in the world, but that's what I was given, and that's what I got to deal with. So that's the way it is. And so this body is not a problem. It's only a problem if I let it be a problem. But more than that, it brings glory to God because the Holy Ghost lives inside this body, this same body that once gave itself over to sin and once gave itself over to unrighteousness. Now the same body is speaking the word of the Lord, is praying for the sick, is going to the hospital and visiting people and praying the prayer of faith over them. So the body was never supposed to be our master. The body was always supposed to be what we submit to God and it stays under the power of the Holy Spirit. I need to move along. I got a bunch of them. Number three, stay under authority. There's a lot of people who have problems with that. They don't like anybody telling them what to do. They don't like anyone telling them what they should be doing. They hate any authority. Folks, listen to me good. This is why we need and have to establish in our children when they are growing up, there is a line of authority that you will listen to. Amen. We all ought to clap on that one. There are so many families who are not attending church today because little Johnny doesn't like to go. Or little Susie wants to stay home and watch cartoons on TV. So I don't want to upset them. It may warp their psyche. I'm telling you now, my dad would warp something, but we didn't call it a psyche. But we really need to understand, our children need to understand, you will always have someone in authority over you. I don't care who you are. You always will have someone in authority. And there are blessings of being under authority. Look at Matthew chapter 8, verses 8 and 9. Great verses of Scripture. One of my, some of my favorites in the entire Scripture. Matthew 8, 8. Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Now this man understood authority. Look at verse nine. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Well, Jesus responded to that man's faith because he understood the authority thing. And he said, Lord, I don't need for you to come to my house. All you've got to do is say the word. If you'll say the word, it'll be done. I don't expect you to come to my house. Remember Naaman the leper? When he came to the man of God, he came riding up there with his big entourage, expecting for Elisha to come outside and bow before him. He was mighty Naaman. 
captain of the king's host. And he went to see Elisha to get a word from the Lord. And the man of God was not impressed. And he didn't, he didn't even come out to where he was. <laughs> and it insulted Naaman. All Elisha did, he told his servant, he said, go out there and tell the man if he'll go dip himself seven times in the river Jordan, he will be healed and his flesh will come back again as a child. And this man said, well, who in the world would have imagined that he wouldn't even honor me enough to come outside and even speak to me? His servant said, Sir, if he had asked you to do some mighty thing, some great thing, in other words, if he had wanted you to do something that you could get some glory out of it, huh, so everybody would bow at your feet again, you would have done it. But he's made a simple request. Glory to God. Of course, the long story short there is he finally decided to be obedient to what the Lord told him to do and his healing was immediate. I'm telling you what, there's power in being under obedience or being under authority. Pride and rebellion cause people to be uh, uh, against everything that is any kind of authority. This is why I have a problem. Uh, well, maybe, man, I'm gonna say it anyway. This is why I have a problem that there's no church good enough or doing enough for me to go to. I'm going to have my own little old group in my own house and I'll be the authority. Now you can believe that spirit is out there, but it is not a scriptural Spirit. Now we're going to be dealing in some small group stuff here and to come, but all of it is under the authority of this church and the authority of this church. We're not putting up with this year Lone Ranger stuff and Wild Bill Hickok stuff out there. No, sir. We are operating under the authority of the Holy Ghost, and I believe everybody needs some authority over them. I have authority over me. And I believe I need for everyone in this church to recognize the power of authority. Number four, and I need to hurry. Number four says, stay under the shadow of the Almighty. Glory to God. Notice all these unders I'm talking about. Stay under the shadow of the Almighty. There's no place that you can be that's any safer than being under the shadow of the Almighty. The 91st Psalm, verses 1 through 4, he says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers. And under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Keep me as the apple of your eye, Psalm 17 and 8 says. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. 
How are we going to get under his shadow if we're far away from him? How can I live under his shadow if I'm so far away his shadow cannot possibly reach where I am? One of the, one of the funny things that you can watch as a child when they become toddler size and they get outside on the concrete or outside where the, where the sun is shining and watch them how they respond to their shadow. That's something new to them. They watch, they'll move, they'll move. I was watching Nora the other day at, at the house and she'd move and she'd move and she'd watch that little girl that was down there in front of her. But how in the world, there is no shadow unless the object is close. The object has got to be close so there is no shadow. You're not going to be under the shadow of the Almighty if you're living so far away from Him that His shadow can't reach you. I got so tickled the other she, she is a funny thing. I got so tickled the other day. She's playing at this little old stove thing that we got under our carport and she opened up that cabinet on the top and there was a green frog stuck to the side of that little, she slammed that door. But it, she didn't, it didn't take her long to do it. But the point is, God is encouraging us to live under his shadow. This, I've got a shadow right there and it's only now can this lady be under my shadow. I mean, I'm standing here, my shadow is not on her. But when I get right up beside her, then Miss Brenda knows that there's a shadow there. Say, glory to God. And I'm telling you, that's the way it is with serving God. You got to get close to him in order for his shadow to reach out to where you are. Glory to God. We got to live, We've got to live in the name of Jesus in such a way that we're close to him. I want to be under the shadow of the Almighty. Number five. We've got to keep our flesh under. Under. It's got to be under the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've already dealt with this somewhat already today, so I'm not going to say a lot about it. But our flesh has to be kept under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul said, But I discipline my body. And I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached it to others, I myself should become disqualified. He said, I don't want to lose out after I've told you how you're supposed to live your life. I don't want to lose out because I didn't follow my own words of advice. Romans 13, 12 to 14, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day. Not in revelry and drunkenness. Not in lewdness and lust. Not in strife and envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Glory to God. Let the Lord Jesus Christ be your clothing 
and to be your adornment. Number six, and I have one more after this one. Keep Satan under your feet. This is, this is one of the biggest things that we need to understand that we do have authority in the name of Jesus. Jesus has conquered all powers and all principalities. They're all under him. And since we are in Christ Jesus, then that means that all of them are under us. Because Jesus was victorious, if I am in him, then I am victorious. If Jesus can put down all enemies and all opposition, then because he is my savior and I am his, and I am his child, then I can do the same thing. But I understand, I've got to keep myself under Jesus Christ. And I have got to stay under, keep the devil under my feet because he has a tendency to be a trespasser. The only place he has is under your feet. But if you don't watch it, he'll come creeping right on up and he'll try to take authority and take permission from you that only should be given to the power of God and the blessings of the Holy Spirit. But hallelujah, I got to keep Satan beat down. I got to keep him pushed down. I do that by praying. I do that by confessing to the Lord that he is my everything. I am nothing and he is all of it. I can do nothing without him. He is everything. He is my life, my joy, and my song. Hallelujah. I got to keep Satan under my feet. And then lastly, I've got to stay under the blood. Glory to God. The Apostle John says, if we walk in the light, 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. All sin. All sin. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If we walk in the light. If, if, if we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. Are you out of fellowship with the people of God? I have discovered that people who get out of fellowship with the church, it's usually not the church's fault. It's usually someone who's grown cold in their walk with God and they're not praying like they used to pray. They're not faithful and diligent like they used to be. They would have never done that kind of stuff a few years ago and now we only show up once in a while. Amen, preacher. Now we only pray whenever we get in trouble. Amen, preacher. Now we only give a little bit to the Lord when we've done got all our bills paid and there's nothing else left. Amen, preacher. But you see, whenever we bring all of that under the control and under the power of the Holy Ghost, I realize I have a debt that I cannot pay. He paid a debt he did not owe 
I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now he came. Oh, praise the Lord. I found the way. My Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. Now the singing might not be so good, but the words are true. You were a debtor to Almighty God. Because you're born the son of Adam, you had a debt that you owed to God Almighty. Because God Almighty never intended for Adam to sin. Never intend for us to be in sin. But because we're the sons of Adam, because Adam had a debt to pay, then I've got a debt to pay. And there's no way to pay it. I can't pay enough money. I can't do enough good things to pay it. But thank God, he paid the debt that I could never pay. Seven things. Stay under the mighty hand of God. Stay under grace. Stay under authority. Stay under the shadow of the Almighty. Keep your flesh under. Keep Satan under your feet. And stay under the blood.